Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Flesh Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. One Flesh Podcast is all about marriage. It airs every single Wednesday. Uh, typically, we have a guest on to come and talk about their marriage, talk about their experience with marriage. The goal is to help young men find a girlfriend, help them make her their wife, and uh, build a good marriage worth having. Uh, today, we've got a little bit of a special episode. We don't actually have a guest on today. Um, it's kind of an announcement, and then I'm actually going to do a little bit of a a Q&A. This is a happy episode today. This is a happy episode. Sometimes I get on here and I talk about marriage problems and those are still happy episodes because we get to solve marriage problems, but uh, it's not not today. Um, I'll start with the obvious. If you clicked on the episode, you got to see the thumbnail. Um, my wife and I are now expecting a child. So um, we found out she was pregnant uh, July 10th. Actually, it was the day I started my new job. Um, that very day, uh, she came and told me that she was pregnant and it was actually pretty funny. Um, if you remember correctly, I, uh, went and, uh, started doing ruck and reels around that time on my Instagram and I've, I've since stopped them. I haven't really done any ruck and reels lately. It, it was an idea that I wanted to try and I didn't really like it personally, but, um, I did a ruck and reel where I was like, yeah, uh, my truck broke down and, uh, I, you know, I just started a new job or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but it was like, just keep going. And it was so difficult because the same like day or week that I recorded that, that I recorded that ruck and reel that I posted the ruck and reel about, you know, life keeps hitting you from all angles. Uh, I had just found out my wife was pregnant, but I couldn't say anything. Um, so that definitely added to the stress of the moment. Um, but it's been really, really good. We are really excited. Uh, this has been something, something that we've been loosely to say trying is a bit of an over exaggeration um we've been kind of trying for about a year now uh we've been wanting it for about a year now uh and finally made it happen so uh it's really cool it's it's good a lot of people say that things are completely different you know after you find out or especially after the kid gets here i haven't really noticed that it's been uh we were we were well prepared for it um that new job put us on you know financial standings that uh, were kind of unseen, uh, before then. So, um, what do I mean by that? I mean, they put us in really good financial standing to where, uh, my wife is now going to be able to stay home with the kid. Uh, she really likes her job. So she may end up, you know, going back a couple of days a week or something like that if she wants to, but, um, and she's still going to work hopefully, you know, up till the time where, uh, she has baby because it's just, I mean, it's extra cash. Um, but, uh, no, it it was a good time. Um, really, everything is kind of going on per usual. You know, a lot of stuff has changed just because the priorities have shifted a little bit and uh, the focus has shifted a little bit. It's actually my birthday tomorrow, but um, nobody's really, I mean, at least as far as we're concerned, it's my birthday is no longer a big deal. You know, usually it's, we're all discussing what we're going to do for the birthday and what, you know, Dylan's going to get me as a gift or something like that. Um really hasn't been the focus and I've been completely okay with that. Everybody's been focused on, uh, the kid from the day that they found out. And, uh, it's been really cool. It honestly has, um, D Ellen's doing fantastic. Uh, really, I mean, she's doing great. Uh, she's not sick, nothing. I mean, she's a little tired and a little sleepy, but it's only like 10% worse than what she was before. <laughs> um, she's always been, uh, she's always been the Lord's sleepiest soldier and always taken, uh, his biggest naps. So, um, but no, she's, she's doing really well. Um, everything's going really good. So, uh, we're grateful for that. Finally get to announce it on the podcast. Oh my gosh. She's like 11, bro. I mean, she's damn near 12 weeks now. I would have to say she's probably close to 12 weeks. Uh, and we couldn't, oh, sorry. Big yawn. Uh, we couldn't tell anybody. Um, for a while because we we wanted to it's it kind of sucks because we're six hours away from family and we wanted to tell our family in person um we wanted to you know yeah we wanted to tell our family in person we wanted to try to tell all of them get them all together tell them all at once so we didn't have to play this game of okay we told you now don't say anything and then okay we told you now don't say anything so uh, with my birthday coming up and that was right around 12 weeks a lot of people don't tell anybody till 12 weeks anyway i guess it's some kind of milestone for baby health to where they're not going to be miscarried or something. But, um, my birthday was right around 12 weeks. I mean, almost on the dot 12 weeks. And so, uh, we decided to have a fake birthday party for me down South. 
uh, and then surprise all of my family um, with the kid. Uh, it was really cool. So anyway, that's why I haven't said anything about it. It's been very difficult on some of these <laughs> some of these podcasts to be able to talk about it, talk about how some of the priorities have shifted. Uh, you know, talk about um, our marriage and stuff like that going forward. And uh, it's been difficult not to say it, but now we finally get to announce it, and then uh, I've got an even. It's not a cool. It's not a better announcement by any means, but uh, so we started this podcast off. This podcast is close to a year now. Um, if you go, if you look by weeks, somehow I've got like fifty-five episodes. Um, I don't know if I just did like two a week one time, or I don't know how my numbering got off. Maybe I skipped a number or two or something like that, or maybe just fifty-two weeks is inaccurate or something. Um. But I've got more than 52 episodes, but if you go by calendar, uh, tomorrow, so today is Thursday, tomorrow, Friday, uh, will be a year from the first recording of the podcast. So we recorded on my birthday with Jonah. Um, I think it was on my birthday. I, I think that's that's correct. Uh, on my birthday with Jonah, we recorded, and uh, Jonah is actually coming back. So that was episode one. We started the podcast. Uh, Jonah is coming back to town, um, not tomorrow. Okay, man, I am so turned around. Uh, yeah, tomorrow is my birthday, Thursday, and then Friday, uh, Jonah is coming back to town. We are going to record again. So it's going to be uh, a year in review episode with Jonah. Um, Jonah, as much of a hype man as he is, uh, we're going to talk about the kid. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. You can come hear me awkwardly giggle and smirk while Jonah gets really excited on the podcast, which I'm 100% sure is going to happen because I I have a really tough time matching his energy. But um, anyway, Jonah's going to come back. And a lot of people, a lot of people have said that Jonah was their favorite episode. Uh, Hopefully he's going to be back with better quality. Um, Hopefully we're going to get into some, some good conversations, talk about what he's been doing, talk about what I've been doing, talk about maybe what we're going to do together in the future. it's going to be a really cool episode. So this is kind of, this is turning into one of my you know favorite weeks, especially for the podcast, but um, probably one of my favorite weeks of the year is getting to announce it um, to everybody that we're having a kid and then having Jonah back uh, in studio as the cool poster podcasters say um, it's going to be really cool. So definitely tune into that Sunday episode. It's, it's going to be one that you don't want to miss. Um, but today, as far as that goes, I mean, that's the whole announcement. I really don't have much to talk about. Um, you know, having a kid, it's, it's been really cool. Uh, something that does get kind of exhausting is like all the people, how do I say this without sounding like an ass, uh, which is hard for me to do if you haven't noticed, uh, for anything really. Um, it's a lot of people are very eager to give their advice and I am a big fan of unsolicited advice. I've said it multiple times on here, big fan of unsolicited advice. Uh, I take it well. I'm, I'm not, um, I don't look down on unsolicited advice. I've said that multiple times on this podcast. You're not going to hear me backtrack on that. Um, if you have advice about having a kid, give me your advice. 100%. Um, one thing that I have had to remember though, is that, uh, everybody is, everybody is different. And while they may give their unsolicited advice, uh, I'm going to take it into consideration, but, um, just know that when you have something happen like this, uh, people use phrases like, everybody and everything, um, to kind of make themselves feel better and make themselves not feel, uh, like they're doing something wrong or not feel left out of the pack. But, uh, it has been kind of wild to see, you know, some of the people that have been giving us advice talking about how everything in your marriage changes, or, um, a lot of people have been overly positive about it. They really have a lot of people, my age, honestly, have been really, really positive about it. A lot of some of the older people, um, have not been so positive about it. I don't know if that's just a generational thing. Um, I don't know if it's just worn on them or something like that. I mean, yeah, they have been positive, but uh, we're just, for me, especially from the dude end of it, uh, getting a little bit of a a feedback of like, everything is going to change and not, not always for the better. Uh, Like there's this sense of impending doom that I'm getting from people about our marriage. And the only kind of note or lesson that I have to take away from, uh, the baby thus far is just remember that you have control over your attitude. Um, you and your wife have control over the marriage and the way things go. Um, and don't, don't be afraid to hold a high standard. 
uh let's let's put it that way despite what people tell you despite what people tell you is going to happen uh despite you know what people tell you is is inevitable um there's no choice there's no way to get out of it uh don't be afraid to hold a high standard um really don't uh you know you, you get told a lot that um yeah your wife's going to do this or yeah it's all going to go like this at the hospital or um yeah after she's you know done with the baby it's all going to happen like this or you know for example we're pretty adamant that i don't even think you know the baby may have to sleep in the room for a little bit but um honestly i don't know that they have to and our goal is to very as soon as humanly possible get baby out of the room we don't want baby sleeping in in our room uh, we don't we don't especially don't want baby in the bed with us i don't i don't, I don't want that <laughs> Um, you want to talk about not getting good sleep? We'll throw a third person in the bed. No, um, we don't want that. And we're going to not have that as soon as humanly possible. Uh, not even in our room, as soon as we can move it to, um, a different room, it's what we're going to do. Uh, that's the standard that we're trying to hold. My wife and I are in a complete agreement. Uh, and you know, you, you hear things like, and this is just an example. If, if the guy that told me this listens to this, it, it's just an example, and he and I have already talked about it, but um, people will say, oh, yeah, you're not going to hold to that. Oh, yeah, it doesn't work out like that. Oh, yeah, you won't hold to that. Uh, toys. Toys is another one, and this is this is all coming from one conversation, and I'm just mentioning it because uh, the guy, if he listens to this, he's going to know who he is, um, but he and I discussed all of this, and, and we're in agreement, um, so it's not like I'm just crapping all over him, but uh, toys, you know, oh, we're, we're going to keep minimal toys. We're not going to have as many toys. Uh, we're not going to, um, you know, we're not going to have just a, an ass ton of toys. Well, you know, I get told like, you're going to, you're going to have all the toys. Like, don't even try because you just have no choice. It's going to be toy hell. It's going to be toy mania. You're not going to get around it. Everything's going to be a mess. Um, you're going to have so many toys. Don't even try. And, uh, man, I, I just, I have a hard time believing that you can at least hold a higher standard. And, and like I said, he and I talked about that. Um, don't be afraid. This is college. This is marriage. This is anything. Don't be afraid uh, to hold that higher standard with you and your wife. And maybe that standard is right on the edge of, can we actually hit this? You know, can we go, um, can we go with zero nights of the baby sleeping in our room? Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, can we go zero nights of the baby sleeping in our room? Maybe not, but if that is our standard and we miss it, uh, it's going to be a whole lot different than not having any standard at all. And baby just ends up sleeping in the room all the time, you know, all the time whatsoever. Um, cause that's what happens to most people is, is they get told or they have this thought that a standard is not worth holding and then they don't hold a standard. And then, uh, mayhem happens, chaos happens, uh, Again, I'm struggling to come up with baby examples, um, but the toys is a good one. Um, they say they, they don't hold any sort of standard of we're only going to have so many toys or only have as many toys that can fit in this box. Uh, and they, they may say that, but they don't actually hold that standard or they get told time and time again, oh, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to do that. Toys are going to overrun the box. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. And then eventually they drop that standard in it and it becomes true. Um, I guess all I'm trying to say in the middle of all this rambling is uh, don't be afraid to hold your standard. And our plan, my wife and I, is is to hold our standard. Um, take their advice into, you know, take their counsel, consider it, weigh it heavily. And, you know, especially like uh, what I look for is look for, I always try to look for the moment that it broke. So look looking for the moment that their standard broke. Uh, kind of prodding at that of like, okay, you know, what happened? Um, you know, why, why did you get overrun by toys? And it's like, oh, well, you know, this person or this person, or, uh, we just saw this one thing that was really cute and they had to have it. Um, so we ended up buying it and didn't really have a place for it. And it just happened again. And once they had one, they had to have the whole set, uh, things like that of, um, looking for the breaking point of what their standard was and noting that so that when we try to hold our standard, instead of giving up on their standard because their standard broke, uh, when we try to hold that standard, uh, keeping it as a mental point in my mind of saying, okay, that's where their standard broke. 
they they let this person influence them in this way uh and it caused their standard to break uh, and and a lot of it is just discipline guys i mean it is just discipline discipline is doing what you what you know you need to do even when you don't want to do it um if that is keeping a toy number for kids minimum um that is discipline i mean it may be tough it may be tough 100% to see how cute a little toy is how good it would go with all the rest of their toys you want to give your kids the best but they don't need any more toys uh holding that you know exercising discipline is saying no we don't need to buy this right now or coming home and saying okay we have to get rid of something you know they're not going to remember these toys or whatever we got to get rid of something and actually going in there and throwing that away instead of getting home and being all tired and sitting on the couch or whatever or letting them open their toy and play with it and playing with them and then you know going and cooking dinner without ever even thinking about throwing another toy away uh maintaining a standard and maintaining discipline i still believe it's possible i 100 percent believe it's possible and uh that's that's like i said probably the only lesson that i can pull out of uh, announcing to the world that we that we're going to have a kid is just you know don't be afraid to hold that standard and i'm trying to hold the line on a lot of different standards that my wife and i um have established so i think that's uh i think that's all i have on the baby front today uh i really think it is i don't really have just a whole lot to to talk about as you can tell i'm not an overly emotional or excited person um, my wife took a video of me when she told me, you know, I was a, uh, you know, I came out and I am excited. I'm really excited for her, but I, I expected it. You know, I knew this was going to happen. It wasn't like a, a total surprise or anything like that. And, uh, it just, it, it's another, it's another thing that, you know, another change that we're going to go through. Uh, it's a welcome change. It's one that I am excited about. I'm excited to make the change, but, um, if you're looking for overwhelming, uh, displays of emotion and a joy from me. You're probably looking in the wrong place. Uh, but no, I, I really am excited. Oh, anyway, yeah, she took a video of me, uh, of her telling me, and I was like, cool, you know, awesome, good, good, and <laughs> great, happy. Um, hugged her, and that was it. Didn't cry or anything like that. Like everybody said I was going to. Everybody told me I was going to cry at my wedding. Everybody said that when she tells you that she's pregnant, you're going to cry. Everybody says, oh, 100%, once you see the baby, you're going to cry. You're going to cry. And I might, I don't know, and maybe, but uh, historical data says unlikely. But uh, anyway, um, it's 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 a fun experience. It really is a fun experience. And what's so cool, honestly, what's so cool is we started this not really out of maybe it was a little bit of FOMO, but we we had decided that we wanted to take the next step in our marriage. You know, you get to a certain point in your marriage where you're kind of looking around, and you're like, well, what else do we need to do? You know. Um, what's next? We got the house, we got the job, we got the marriage, um, got a paid off vehicle for one of us. Uh, what else do we need to do? And you're kind of looking around and you're like, well, all that's kind of left is to have kids. And you know, my wife, she again, doesn't really have a, this is going to sound bad, but she doesn't really have a career. I mean, she does, but it's not like, you know, she went and got a degree and now she's making, you know, $80,000, or something like that. Um, it's nothing like that. It's that, you know, her next step, her career is going to be being a mom. And it's number, it's the number one career for women. And I mean that I'm not even just trying to treat my wife nicely or something like that. It's, it's the most important career you can have, uh, as, as a woman and same thing with being a father and being a leader as a man. Um, but the number one career that you can have as a woman is, uh, I believe to, to be a mother. And so that was kind of the next step for her. Uh, there was no reason for me why I couldn't give that to her. Um, literally no reason. I make plenty of money. Um, if I wasn't stupid with my money, I would have plenty of money. Uh, and then now trying to tighten that back up, there's no reason that I can't, uh, give that to her. So we wanted it. Um, oh, that's what I was saying. I, I got off on a tangent. Uh, it wasn't exactly FOMO. It was just kind of time, but you know, we noticed like a lot of the people in our lives then, were having kids, um, or trying to have kids. And a lot of them had them sooner than what we could. Uh, they got pregnant sooner than what we could. They, uh, maybe got their lives together a little bit sooner before sooner than I could. Some of these are older than us. Some of them really weren't older than us. Uh, some of them, you know, they both had good jobs. So they were able to get the money a little bit quicker. Uh, they both had, you know, higher paying jobs. So they were able to get the money around a little bit quicker. It was just like, there was part of our friend group who, 
uh, part of our friend group who had already done that, uh, been there, done that, they were doing it. Uh, and so there was some of that where I was like kind of scared that we would be in this kind of no man's land of, you know, these people have kids that are going to be at least a year or two, three, you know, three years older than what uh, mine are going to be if we had them at that point in time. Um, and then there's, you know, this group of college age friends that uh, I'm worried that, you know, we're going to up and, and run off from them. You know, they're not having these kids yet. They're not, uh, they're not buying houses yet. <laughs> they don't have their careers maybe figured out yet or whatever it might be. Um, I was like, man, I don't really want to run off and leave these guys either. So we were kind of stuck in that middle point. Uh, and it, it's really cool how the whole point in this rambling that I'm trying not to do, but I am, is that the community forms around you. Like once you start doing the right things, once you start walk, talking to the right people, the community really forms around you. Like at church, they've got one, they've got a girl that, uh, on she may be due a little bit early, but I think they've got one in like October, December, January, February, and then we're doing March. So, I mean, literally December, January, February, and March right there. I mean, you've got December, January, February, yeah, four months, four little babies that are being born, four mothers that my wife can go hang out with, four fathers that are going through the same things that we are. Um, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's crazy how that happens. And then just even outside of it. And and part of it is, you know, I started a new job. Um, you know, I started a new job. All of our friends are around the same age. Uh, I'm not exactly a recluse. I'm kind of a social butterfly, I guess. Uh, I talk to a lot of people. I meet a lot of people. But it seems like everybody is having a kid right now. I mean, literally, it seems like everybody is having a kid right now. A year ago, everybody was having a kid before us. But now... Not to say that we've moved on from those people, but it is what it is um, for some of those guys. Uh, we're not talking to them as much. They've already had their kid. They're already doing their thing. Uh, now we get to do this with other people that are doing it right now and actually stay in touch and keep track with them. Um, it seems like everybody is having a kid like right now. All of these new people in our lives are going through like the same thing. Um, neighbors across the street, they're having one in like December. Um it's just kind of crazy how I, maybe, you know, as a newfound Christian, maybe it's a God thing, I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe that's what, maybe, maybe we attribute that to him that, you know, we finally trusted in him to, to have the kid like we had been feeling. And he had us have it at the right time to where this community can grow around us. Uh, coincidence or God, that's a big old question mark that hopefully we answer at the Bible study I'm going to be doing in the fall. I don't know. Um, but it's just really cool to see that community kind of, um, form around us of all these people that are, that are having the same experiences at the same time. And then on the other hand, um, watching the people that we're able to lead through the people that we're able to lead through the significant milestones that we've already been through, you know, it's, it's, um, we've got friends that are younger than us that we're really, really close with. Uh, I mean, a lot of them, and this isn't just the one couple that I know is going to listen to this and think that I'm talking about them. Yes, it's you, but there's even more friends, you know, on more of my friends that were able to lead through these, uh, these circumstances, getting married, buying a house, uh, having kids, um, building a marriage, we're able to lead them through some of that. And whether they, whether, whether they think they're being led or not, um, whether I think I'm leading them or not, there is some sort of relationship to where whether they're looking at the things that we've done wrong or the things that we've done right, uh, hopefully they're learning from our relationship, from our experiences and implementing them into their lives. It's just, it's really cool to see um, kind of how the community benefits from all the different stages of life. You know, I'm able to look and see at what people did before me that had kids and see what I want to do different um, and able to do it myself and then relay that to the people that are just a year or two behind us um, it, it's just, it's really cool. It's been a cool experience. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you've had a part of it, if you've been a part of that, thank you. Um, it's been, a, it's been a really cool experience and I'm really grateful to have had that experience and to continue to have that experience. So I think that's all, uh, I've got for my, for my rambling on the baby stuff. I did want to answer a question. Uh, you know, I'm going to reply to this guy, but a guy sent me a message on Instagram saying, Hey, I listened to uh I listened to one of your podcasts and said you're a big marriage guy, big fan of marriage. Can you explain why? 
Yeah, I think let me let me try. I'm gonna spitball. I mean, I just read your message 30 minutes ago or something. I mean, I've been talking for 30 minutes, so an hour ago, 30 minutes before I turned on the mic at the very least, and uh, basically, I'm gonna try to answer this kind of, uh, I guess not rapid fire, but kind of a live Q and A type deal. I haven't had much time to think about it, but uh, I think marriage. Um, Marriage is good, especially when done right. When done wrong, marriage can be very bad. Uh, when done wrong and when not done, yeah, when done wrong, not done correctly, uh, marriage can really ruin your life. But I don't think that that's marriage ruining ruining your life. Uh, I think that that's it's something else ruining your life through the marriage. Uh, how do I, sin, maybe, I don't know. Um, one could say, if one were really religious, that, it was the devil ruining your life through marriage, not marriage ruining your life. And I think that that's uh, kind of true. I don't know that I would call it the devil, but um, irresponsibility, uh, immaturity, um, lack of accountability, lack of discipline can ruin your life through marriage. And so I'm a big fan of marriage because when done right and when taken seriously, uh, it tightens all of those things up. So th- there's a few different levels here. Number one, um, the thing that has matured me the most has probably been marriage, uh, having to step up and lead my wife, having to make decisions, uh, having to spend my money. I don't spend it wisely. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to say that. Uh, I mean, I don't have to say it, but I, I, I've said it a lot. I don't really spend my money wisely, but I, I don't and I do. I mean, I don't, but I, I get all my bills paid. I bought a house at the right time, yada, yada, yada. Uh, none of that probably would have happened, uh, without marriage. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't have. I feel like I would have just spent it on a lot more stupid stuff. Uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of money on a lot of stupid stuff, but I spend less money on less stupid stuff, uh, because I'm, I'm married. I have a wife to take care of. Uh, I want to give her a home. I want to give her children, all of these different things. It, to me, so let me back up and stop rambling. There are a couple of different lanes here. Number one, it's 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 good. It, it's good because you have a partner. You have somebody by your side. Again, hopefully, if marriage is done right, you have somebody in your corner to support you, um, to give you that moral support to go out and be the leader that you want to be. Um, second, you know, division of division of labor, division of responsibilities. Uh, that, that's still in the team lane. There's there's the moral team. There's the physical team, and then um, there's the level of accountability. There's the promise that that marriage gives you. So let's talk about that, the promise. Uh, I think the promise is important. I think that the reason marriage is important is because, let's say as a teenager, let's say you know you want to get married, or you know I did this stuff kind of early. Let's say in college, in your 20s, you know you want to get married. If you're doing it correctly, what I believe is the correct way to get married, uh, and there's a religious note here that I'm not used to talking about and not used to incorporating um, that should probably be mentioned, but I'm going to try to be in line with it. I'm not going to hit on it very hard. <sighs> Sorry. Big yawn. Um, if you're in your 20s and you know you want to be married, you know that it's a covenant, or you should. If you're doing it correctly, in my mind, the quote-unquote perfect marriage is that you know that even maybe you haven't even found a girlfriend yet, but you know that you're preparing to make a promise for the rest of your life uh, with her and let's say God. Um, You know that you're preparing to make this promise, a promise that cannot be broken by you. You can't break this promise. You're making this promise. Uh, You shouldn't break it. You're a man of your word. Uh, I believe that 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 sobers you up quite a bit. I believe that it changes the priorities for for dating, uh, when you look at it through the lens of this promise, this covenant uh, of marriage, at least for me, it made it a whole lot more serious of who I chose to date, uh, who I chose to stick with, uh, whether I, you know, <laughs> decided to terminate a relationship and keep moving on, or or what was going to happen um, in my relationships. I really only ever had one serious relationship, but uh, I always saw it through the lens of that promise. And it changed my decision uh, greatly versus where some of my friends may not have either made the same decisions or uh, maybe say like they would have dipped out of the relationship. Uh, for me, I was like, well, I'm going to have to deal with this with anybody that I that I 
that I find, I'm going to have to deal with something like this with anybody that I find because I want to get married. I want to make that promise to a woman. I'm not here to just date around. Um, so you're preparing yourself to make that promise and it changes your priorities in my mind. Uh, it changes your priorities to more responsible ones, to more moral ones. You're no longer just to me again. You're no longer just looking to have sex all the time uh, with different people and, and use and abuse ladies, which you may not be abusive, but I mean, that's really kind of what it is. You're not abusing them, but you're helping them through their own self abuse of, you know, throwing caution to the wind and, and, uh, ruining, honestly, like really hurting their, um, hurting their emotions and hurting their feelings on purpose, uh, by just having promiscuous sex. I mean, that's what promiscuous sex does. Um, you play a part in that when you engage in that, I think personally. Uh, and so it, it, to me, when you're viewing all of your male, female romantic relationships through the lens of this promise, uh, it makes you a better person. I, I really think it does. Uh, it makes you a better person. It, what it, honestly, what it does, there's a book that I, I wish I had in front of me. Uh, Joshy, if you listen to this, I gotta have my book back. Um, and that's, I, I mean, I, I gave it to him to read. Didn't I let him borrow it for him to read, but, uh, I never know I need it until I need it. And then it's not here. Uh, there's a book called skin in the game. And what the promise does is it puts skin in the game for the relationships that you're going to have in your rom- romantic relationships. When you view it in lens of a promise, as in I'm looking to make a promise that I cannot get out of, then you have a lot more at stake with the romantic relationships that you try to pursue. Um, is this the one that I'm going to promise the rest of my life with? Uh, if it's not the one, then I need to move on to the one that is. Uh, there's no more time for, you know, messing around and going on three or four different hookup dates over the next, you know, course of, of the next month or two months or whatever it may be. It's, hey, look, if this person isn't the right one to promise my life to, why am I wasting any time uh, with this person? It, it puts skin in the game of your relationships by adding consequences, uh, by elevating a sense of urgency because you know that you're going to make this promise for life. Uh, and then once you're in that promise, let's say post-marriage, uh, once you're in that promise, uh, if you take it seriously, this is why I say when marriage is done right, when marriage is done correctly, uh, if you take that promise seriously, it, it really does make you a better person as a whole because it forces you uh, to be more selfless. It forces you to take more ownership of your problems. It forces you to address problems, uh, to actually deal with the hard parts of life instead of shoving them away uh, until, until a later date to where they're all blow up later. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean, I don't let problems fester with my wife because I know that there's no way out. There is no divorce at 60. Okay. When, you know, we haven't had any fights or whatever, or, uh, I haven't addressed anything, uh, by the time we get to 60 or whatever it is, and we've got all the kids out of the house, 55, uh, got all the kids out of the house when all those problems blow up eventually, or God forbid with kids in the house, uh, when all those problems that I've been shoving away finally blow up. Uh, I know that there's no way out of it and I don't want that to be, I don't want to, I don't want that to be painful. I really don't. I want it to be as, as little pain as possible. And the way that you make it as little pain as possible is by taking as small of bites as you can out of those problems. Well, the only way to take as small of bites out as you can out of those problems and still handle them is by handling them often. Okay. Do you see my logic here of, look, I've got to be with this woman for the rest of my life. That's why I need to handle this shit right now. <laughs> like I've got to be for, with this woman for the rest of my life. So um, that's why I need to handle the fact that maybe she's, she doesn't have a good concept on the finances. Or this is why I need to handle the fact of even my own of, hey, maybe, maybe, um, what, let's see. Maybe I do need to say I love you a little bit more often uh, and take her on dates that she actually wants to do a little bit more often, even though we're only in our 20s and it's so easy to be selfish. Uh, maybe maybe I do need to start prioritizing her happiness a little bit more than I have been right now because when it's 40, it's going to be too late it, and there's no way out. So um, maybe I need to do better and I need to be more selfless and I need to be more emotionally invested uh, because if not, uh, it's going to be a lot of pain down the road because there is no way out. So that's what the promise, um, that's the advantage of the promise to me is by forcing accountability. If you do it correctly, um, kind of a, a long 
ramble and I apologize my words and I'm sorry if you stuck with me through the last couple months honestly I really really appreciate you because my words have not flown uh they don't have the, the same flow uh, that they usually do um I'm not as articulate as what I usually am I don't know what the problem is uh but I really appreciate you sticking around and uh yeah that to me that's what the promise does for you is is truly make you a better person make you more accountable um and give you a sense of urgency against a, a sense of skin in the game in not only just your marriage but in all the relationships that you have uh to me again because my marriage is the most important relationship that i have other than i guess the relationship with god uh my marriage is the most important relationship i have more important than my future children more important than my mom than my dad than my brother than my sister uh more important than my best friend is my marriage because it's the only one that i'm bound to for the rest of my life um i need to make sure that all those other relationships in my life uh are you know cooperate with my marriage so not only does it make you a better person in your marriage it makes you a better person out of your marriage uh because you want those relationships to go well you don't want them to have a negative impact uh, on your marriage i don't get uh, overly flirty with the girls at work uh, because that would negatively impact my marriage and it's for life okay uh, it makes me a better person inside and outside of work with my friends uh, you know I really because I, I want my friends to be around I want my I want to have a good community uh, I want to have good men that support me it's changed my friendships because I want to have a better marriage I want to be a better leader uh, not only do I want to be a better leader in my marriage but those leadership steps that I'm taking in my marriage have leaked out into my other relationships. And I'm, I'm tying it back to my marriage saying, look, I want to be a good leader. I want to show my kids how friendship is done. I want to have a good community that supports me and that will support my wife if, you know, I were to ever die or something like that. Uh, so having good friendships is important. And so I put a lot of emphasis on my friendships and I try to make them uh, the best that I can. Uh, this is all a really long way to say that it forces you to be a better person. Uh, the promise does specifically, uh, less about who you're making the promise to, but, uh, the promise in general is that it forces you to be a better person. Uh, and that's why I believe that there really is no way out. Um, I don't think there can be a way out, uh, because this level of accountability that I'm talking about, uh, this level of accountability that I'm talking about, if you were to try, if you did have a back door, you would find the back door. Uh, how do I, it's a funny statement, but, um, this ultimate level of accountability, one of the most difficult things that, that is to do is to, to, to lead a good marriage all the way for the rest of your life, uh, to have that level of accountability. If you leave a back door open, you'll find it. Let's say cheating. Um, a lot of guys, they say, well, other than adultery, um, you know, yeah, I'm with my wife for forever, except for adultery. Uh, in my mind, this may not be true, but in my mind, uh, if you leave that back door, you'll eventually find it. Um, it's almost bound to happen. You know, I don't, I, I'm sure there's some sort of law or principle of, of speaking it into existence of like, well, except for this, and like the ultimate movie irony is like, well, that happens to you. So now you have to own up to it and you're all right, get divorced, man. You know, like, um, you're almost speaking in, into a, into existence and, uh, you may have some trust issues. Let's say you start getting held really accountable to your marriage. Um, and you know that the only way out is through this. Maybe you start looking at her phone a little bit extra or being really untrustworthy or being jealous, uh, or drawing away, you know, maybe you subconsciously pull your, your own emotions away and you become more emotionally unavailable. And that's what triggers her to go find somebody that's more emotionally and eventually physically, uh, available. And you know, that's, that's what happens in these marriages. Uh, that's what happens when problems don't get addressed. And, uh, when you're held to a level of accountability where to me, I think when you leave that back door, uh, you'll eventually have to use it. And I don't like that. Um, so that's the promise. Let's talk about the emotional team here for a second. Um, for me, I'm a person that needs to be needed. Uh, I, you know, I'm a person that I, I do, I need people around me. Um, I, you know, I need people, uh, I, I, I'm a pretty independent person, but 
I like to have people around me. I like to have people to talk to. I like to have friends. Uh, but also, you know, I've made my money pretty well on my own. I've had people that have given me a hand up. I've had people that have helped me out. Uh, but I'm, I'm rather independent. I'm not always looking to my friends for, Hey, um, how do I do this? Hey, can you help me do this? Uh, like it's kind of a weird line, but you know, on a career level or whatever, like I'm a, I'm a relatively independent person. I've done a lot of things before my friends. Um, all this to say, I, I just, and I don't know, that sounds kind of bad. I'm sorry, guys. That that sounds kind of bad and a little bit arrogant. I don't know what I'm really trying to say is that what I'm really trying to say is that I'm not a person who really needs a lot of people, but I need to be needed. Uh, I, I thrive. Um, I thrive when I feel like the people around me uh, actually need me. And maybe that's the way that I need people. <laughs> that's the way that I need people is just for them to even make me think that they need me. Maybe they don't need me. Uh, maybe they don't need me at all whatsoever. But I like to think that, that people need me, that people depend on me. Uh, and for, I think that's a lot of men. I think that's really a lot of men that a lot of men like to feel needed. They like to feel like they have a weight on their shoulders. Uh, and my wife, um, she's not overly dependent. Um, but she's not just independent to the point where I don't feel like she doesn't need me. I feel like we need each other, um, heavily. I need her in my life to help me do, um, all of the things that are involved in creating a family and to be a better person. Like we've talked about, um, and she needs me. She needs me to help her through some of the hard things that she's had to go through. She needs me to help provide for the life that she wants to live. Uh, she, she needs me if she wants to have, you know, the, the house and be able to stay at home and, and to raise the kids and stuff like that, the way that she wants to do, uh, <laughs> that stuff in this world, it takes money. And while she's building that house and that home and that family, uh, somebody has got to go get the cash and that's me. She needs me. I need her. I need her to, uh, raise my children. I need her to, um, help me keep a house, a home. I need her to give me emotional support when I'm out providing. And this is not taboo stuff to say it. It, it, it's really not. Uh, and one job is not any more important than the other. Um, earning the money is, is useless if you don't have a house and a home to put it towards, in my opinion. I mean, if, if you don't, if you're not doing something good with the money, something wholesome, like building a, a house, building a family, building a community, it's rather useless to me. I, I really think it is. If you're not doing that with it, uh, you can buy other stuff. You can buy guns. You can buy knives. I'll have plenty of them. I'll have plenty of guns and knives. I'll have a jet skis for no reason. I'll have plenty of vehicles. Uh, but what's going to come first is my house and my home and uh, to a certain extent, my community. And I need her to help me build that. Uh, and so the being needed helps boost me a lot. Uh, it feels very good to come home after a day of earning the money and feel like what I what I did was necessary, uh, feel like it was needed and it was appreciated. And that has gotten me, I think, very far uh, in my career, but also just in my confidence to go and do the things that I've done. I don't know that I would be confident enough to go and, um, you know, quite frankly, have the position that I've got and earn the salary that I've got. Uh, I may have stopped somewhere along the way if I didn't have that, uh, that certain level of dependency on me to, to go and raise, to, to make that money and to support, uh, you know, to be the person that, uh, I am to try to be the leader that I am. Um, my wife needs me to do that. <laughs> my wife needs me to be a good leader in our household. Uh, she needs me to make, uh, difficult financial decisions. Um, she needs me to. Uh, help her make decisions on her own. She needs me to help lead her through some of the family stuff. Uh, all of these different ways that I'm needed. Uh, I don't know that I would have risen to the occasion if there were no occasion to rise to. And so uh, being part of that moral team, she also trusts me. Not only do I think she needs me to help do these things, she also trusts me to do them. And that gives me the confidence to do it. There's a need and there's trust in me to do it. Uh, that gives me the confidence to do it. And, uh, if any of you, uh, if any of my supervisors are, are, are listening to this, if you want me to do something, if you want me to spend extra overtime, uh, 
working for your company. Tell me you need me to do it and tell me that you trust me to do it. Uh, I'll be there 100% of the time. Don't give me some, you know, BS project uh, and say, yeah, I don't really care if it gets done. Um, I don't really care if it gets done and you're gonna have to do it in this exact way and we're gonna double check everything that you do. Uh, that's a very good way. And it shouldn't be like this. I should still get on the project and do what they need me to do. But uh, that's a very good way to get me not invested <laughs> in a project is to tell me that you don't really need me and you don't really trust me to do it. Uh, but at, in my marriage, I'm needed and I'm trusted. Uh, and, and I think that that's, um, that's good. That's been really good for me. It's gotten me to a lot of, a lot of good places. Um, I'm doing a lot of things just to pat myself on the back. I mean, it's really to the credit of all the people around me. Um, I know I, I said earlier that I didn't need my friends and that, and that's wrong. Um, I am a pretty independent person, but they've helped me through a lot of different stuff. Uh, and so that was probably a little arrogant on my part, but, um, a little bit, maybe a lot of bit. uh, but I'm needed and I'm trusted here at home. And I think that's, what's allowed me to do all of the things do all the things that I've been called to do, you know, growing up, it was, I was needed and I was trusted to take care of my siblings. Uh, I was needed and I was trusted to be an example for my siblings. So I did it. Um, again, if, if you want something out of me, if you're listening to this and you want something out of me telling me that you need me to do it and that you trust me to do it. Uh, and I will absolutely rise to the occasion and hopefully exceed all expectations that you had for me. Um, so that's the benefit that I've gotten from marriage. The last one is just the physical team. And I've talked a little bit about that, but just having another person to to help you do what you need to do. You know, I go to some of my single buddies' houses and, uh, you know, they're not slobs per se. I've never known them to be slobs. I've known them to be rather tidy people, uh, but they work a lot. They work similar, you know, they work more hours than what I do. Um, they've got just as good of jobs or uh, just as demanding of jobs to say the least. Uh, it's not like they're working 20 hours a week. And uh, their house in there just doesn't always feel like a home. You know, it's like, bro, you live like this. You know, I can't, I can't even imagine that. Well, when you think about it, uh, they have the same eight hours in the evening that I do. Uh, but instead of me doing, you know, three chores and DL and doing three chores, it's them having to do all six chores. And even for one person, it, it's just not as easy. And I'm like, oh man, that would be awful to live like that. You know, of, um, having to wait three days to get to the dishes because, uh, which three days, I mean, we've had to wait three days before, but, uh, but for no simple reason for just the simple reason of you haven't done them, you know, like it, it's just wild. Uh, so there is a benefit to that of just having two people to help tackle the tasks, um, that one person would typically have to do. And yeah, you end up adding on top of that with kids. Uh, but eventually, you know, eventually you have four people. To, to do this stuff you know i talked with clint walker a, a long time back of that you know eventually he was able to get his son to mow the lawn and then he had time to go do other things and so uh the just the general physical division of labor has also helped and that's and that's i think that's what kept families strong for a long time uh is when families had land uh when families had physical responsibilities around the house when all of this stuff it wasn't all subcontracted out to your lawn guy uh, somebody had to mow the lawn. Uh, yeah, you could hire a guy to do it, but why, when you got, you know, five strong young boys that are going to be able to mow the lawn for the next, let's say they all go through high school. Uh, you got five young boys a year apart. That's, I mean, what, like it's at least what I'm going to fail at math. If they're a year apart, I mean, you got a good, you got a good, what, at least like eight years. I'm really bad at math. If you have five sons, this is a, this is a typical math problem. If you have five sons that are a year apart, uh, let's say starting freshman year, they can mow the lawn. Well, that's one year all the way up to four. And then he leaves the house and then you've got at least four more years. Yeah. So maybe like, let's call it 10 years of free mon lawn mowing. Okay. Uh, I think that's what made family strong, uh, is having to do all that physical labor and divide it up. And it's, it's, it's nice. Uh, it really is nice to have somebody else to help keep my my house clean and it raised my standards. Like honestly, I clean way more than I ever did when I was single, not just because I have a wife around. A lot of people think that it and and it could be. A lot of people think that it's because, you know, oh, you have a girl around now, so you don't want to be embarrassed. I think that embarrassment really wears off. And I think that's the problem with some couples is that uh the embarrassment and the shame of certain things kind of wears off. Uh but for me it's just 
getting used to that division of labor and having like a clean room. And then when my room is now not clean, I hate it. Like I hate it because I've gotten used to what it feels like to have a clean room because she was cleaning my room. Um, you know, we have the same room, so she was cleaning her room, but also cleaning my room, uh, picking up my dirty clothes when they need to be picked up, organizing my shoes when they need to be organized. Uh, and I got used to that. And so now like, it'll go a little bit longer, but, uh, let's say like a week of my shoes being a mess. I'm like, now I can't handle it because I remember how good it was to have like shoes that were not a mess. Uh, and so it didn't, it, it, it taught me what it was like to actually have some tidy things because we were able to have two people to tidy it up. Uh, I don't know that I ever would have gotten like that if I didn't have another person, uh, to do those things. Um, so the physical teamwork, uh, really does help a lot. So guys, I've talked for almost an hour now. I know I've rambled. I know my words aren't coming to me very well. Uh, I know I'm not as uh, fluent and articulate as what I used to be. And I apologize for that. Uh, I'm going to work on it. Hopefully this episode with Jonah, uh, gets me back into gear. He and I always have really good conversations and, you know, maybe that's the problem. I've had a lot of good guests. I've had a lot of really smart guests on, uh, but it's been a while since I've had uh, an in-person guest where we really connected, you know, even, even, a, a oh, this is going to sound bad. I don't want to sound bad because I've had a lot of good conversations. It's not that they weren't good conversations, but uh, I always play up. Um, I always play up when I have somebody that I still understand what they're saying, uh, but we're both extremely articulate and we both say, we both speak really, really well. I always play up. And so I'm looking forward to having Jonah in the studio um, so that hopefully I can, uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. Hopefully uh, I can, and I hate that saying, but I just said it, uh, iron sharpens iron. So hopefully I'll, I'll learn to play up and, and get a little bit more fluent, uh, get my flow back uh, and be able to bring y'all better content that is truly up to my standards. So guys, I think that's all I've got. Uh, really really tune into this Sunday's podcast with Jonah Trahan. Uh, it's going to be a good one in studio uh, with my guy, Jonah. Uh, turn it on, and uh, thanks for listening to the One Flesh Podcast.